Hi, you're listening to the podcast of Victory Santa Rosa. We pray that this message encourages you on your journey of faith in Jesus. We're still in our series, Walk the Talk. We're going through this, the longest psalm no? in, 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 in the Bible, Psalm 119. Now open your Bibles to Psalm 119. Put your finger there. We'll, we'll do something different, but Psalm 119, whether it's that hard copy Bible or the ones in your tablets or phones, and then just put it there. Psalm 119. In fact, we'll start reading in a while, verses 41, and we'll go through 41 up to verse 48. Okay, while you're turning there, we said that our preaching is about that mark, that brand of a Christian. Okay, let's leave, let's have a mental note of that. In another light, in another light, how I wish, and I believe you would agree with me, how we wish that life were as easy as a formula. What do I mean? Formula. If you have a problem, just go to church, worship. After the service, your problem will just be gone. How I wish life were like that. How I wish that life were a formula that the moment we give our tithes and offering, the following day, we'll have a financial breakthrough. If life were a formula, it would be as easy as that. But we all know it's not. Napakadaming factors. Ang daming mga bagay that plays in to these things. And this Christian practice that we're going to talk about, that mark, that brand, has also a danger of people seeing it just as a mere formula. Right? So are you ready to talk about the Word of God? Now, we'll do something different. I need you just now to remain seated. And I need you to somehow find that comfortable, most comfortable position. All right? And then, as you, as you remain in your seats, we will read God's Word. We'll read verse 41. But this is what I'll do. We'll read four translations of verse 41. And somehow, I'll let you meditate on it. Alright? Okay. Okay, find are, are, are you already in your comfortable position? Relax. Okay? Just like last week. What uh, Pastor Carlo also did, Pastor John did uh, in the 9 a.m. service last week. We'll meditate on scriptures. So I need you to just inhale first and then exhale. Okay? Okay. Inhale. Exhale. Come on, just relax. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Psalm 119, verse 41. In the ESV, Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. In the NIV, May your unfailing love come to me, Lord, your salvation 
according to your promise. In the King James Version, Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. In the ERV, Lord, show me your faithful love. Save me as you promised. We'll have the scriptures just remain here and just meditate. You can close your eyes, you can look outside, but I'll give you about a minute or more. Just think, look at the scripture, if there is a word or a phrase that resonates, just think about it. Let the Spirit of God minister to you. All right? Go. You know, how I wish, how we wish, the pastors here, that we'd be able to talk to you and somehow learn and know what ministered to you. How we wish that we would be able, kaya namin gawin ngayon yun. But my faith, our faith, our hope and our prayers that God's Spirit ministered to you. When we read God's Word, when we read the Bible, we should really slow down the metronome of life. You know what a metronome is? It's the small gadget by the drums. And it's that beat that the drummer follows so that he would be in that same step. Tama yung beat niya so that when the other musicians follow him, they're all in sync. But when we read God's word, we have to slow down the metronome of life. Because this is what we experience now. The moment we wake up and you, we get our phones, the metronome of life is already ticking at a very fast beat. And we need to read the Bible and slow down because we need that metronome to just be slow so that we can hear God minister. You know what we did earlier? It's just a minute and 30. Can you imagine what five minutes would do? And guess what? Five minutes doesn't really much, right? But can you imagine the wonder and marvel of that five minutes of just being in the presence of God. Wait, there's more. It's not just in the morning. You know, in your 15, 20-minute coffee break, you can have that five minutes too. Wait, there's more. After lunch, before going back to that laptop or desktop computer, you can have that five minutes again and wait there's more. During your afternoon coffee break, you can get that next five minutes again of being in the presence of God. And when you end the day, it would be fantastic to have that five minutes again of just reading a portion of God's Word and having that five minutes. 
it's that metronome of life. We need to, we need to slow down because this is how we are every day. Amen. Now, verse 41 is a prayer. It is an amazing prayer. In fact, this prayer presents us two facets of who God is. The psalmist is asking God, can I come to me? I need your steadfast love, your faithful love, your unfailing love. So it presents that very familiar facet of God, that He is a loving God. The second line presents another facet. Amazing. Yes, God is loving, but the psalmist is petitioning God. God, wait. I need your salvation. And in the Old Testament, salvation is about rescue. Very similar to when God rescued His people from the oppression and slavery of Egypt. And then He made them pass through the Red Sea. That was the the marvelous Old Testament rescue. So every time they talk about salvation, it's that picture that God, I need rescuing. I need your salvation. I need your mercy. I'm, I did something wrong. I'm going through the consequence, Lord, but I need your rescue, Lord. I need salvation. So when you talk about the steadfast, unfailing, faithful love of God and the rescue, mercy, salvation of God, it's not just with the psalmist. Isn't that prayer suited to us as well? In fact, can you imagine a moment in your life that that prayer is not suited? It's something that's so relevant to us every day. This is our prayer. We need this every day to experience the steadfast love of God and His rescue. We all need that. We all need that steadfast, unfailing, faithful love of God expressed in so many ways. Maybe expressed in affirmation, in acceptance, in security, in finding significance, in value attached to us. We need that love. And maybe, maybe, just as a proof that we need this, there's this possibility that we post our social media posts or the posts that we have mainly because of this need for love and acceptance and affirmation. Maybe, maybe because of this need for love, we work the way we do as if there's no tomorrow. Maybe, as we were talking about earlier, the metronome of your life is so fast, maybe because of this need for love. Because I need to do all these things so that I can have all these things so that I can be secured. Metronome. Need for love. I believe in one way or another, all of us need that rescue. 
Is it a fine? Is it a financial conundrum, or maybe a relational concern, marriage, family, or maybe it's in our faith, in our journey, in our walk with God, and you're saying, "Lord, it's stale already. I need faith." Just like what we were saying, faith arising. Or maybe it's a career or a business problem and we need rescuing. The psalmist is praying. In fact, this is what we'll do. You know how we do it when we go to work? You'll open your GPS before you start to drive whether it's Google, Maps, Waze, or, or whatever navigation system you have, the one that's in the car already installed. This is our navigation system for this preaching. The psalmist speaks of a prayer. But this prayer is because of certain pressures that the psalmist feels. And the way to navigate through these pressures, the psalmist does a Christian practice. There's a practice. There's a mark or a brand, something unique to believers that the psalmist does to help him navigate through the pressures. But this practice, this Christian practice is anchored on a spiritual principle. So this is our GPS. This is our preaching route. Alright? So going back, we talked about the prayer already. This prayer, verse 41, this psalm was written, what, more than 3,000 years ago and it is still relevant today. Now, that's the prayer, but what are the pressures that this psalmist feels? Hence, the petition. So let's look at verses 42 to 43 to 47. First, Sabina, let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then I shall have an answer to those who taunt me. You know, what's good about this psalm is that, yes, it doesn't get into the details of things for us to completely, fully get the picture, but in the same way, it is not too general for us not to understand it. So it's just enough. Enough giving us enough information for us to realize, wait, the pressure that the psalmist feels is the same pressure that we feel. So he says in verse 42 that yes, he needs to give an answer because there are people who taunt him. There are people who mock him, people who makes, may, may, may make fun of him for the things that he believes in, meaning in God and his word. So here we understand that, wait, that could be our pressure today, right? When people mock us for our belief in God and His Word, in one way or another, we go through this. Maybe in the office, 
there's a normal practice in your particular industry. But you know and you know that that's a sin. And you stand your ground. And then people begin to think of you as weird. They may even mock you, taunt you. First pressure, when people mock us because of our belief in God and His Word. Maybe for the singles, people mock you, make fun of you because of your decision to remain pure and holy. And maybe people are saying, Dina, ano ka ba? Manang ka masado. Hindi na ganyan ngayon. Maybe people even taunt us for bringing this in the office. First pressure. Next pressure, verse 43. Take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, he says. Take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth. Just like what we did earlier when we looked at other translations, when you look at other translations of verse 43, it speaks of a hope. The, 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 the psalmist is hoping for the fulfillment of a truthful promise. That's why he says, take not the, the, the truth of your word, the truth of your promise out of my mouth. I need to be able to experience it. In other words, the psalmist is waiting. He is waiting in hope. That's why he says, for my hope is in your word or commandments or rules. Wait, that's all of us, right? It's the same pressure that we feel. That we wait on God. We're praying for something. Or maybe we're waiting for a rescue and we're asking, God, I need you to pull through for me. That's another pressure that we feel. Very similar to the psalmist. And I know that all of us are waiting on something. Second pressure. Third pressure. Verse 46. And I will speak of your testimonies. Meaning I will bear witness. Testimonies. Bearing witness. Your testimonies before kings and shall not be put to shame. So the psalmist is saying, I need to speak. I need to bear witness before others, non-believing Those who do not believe you, God, I need to be able to bear witness to them and not be put to shame. Hindi ako mapapahiya. I need to be able to stand my ground, do what's right and righteous, and Lord, I need this. Hindi ako mapapahiya to people in authority. It's not just to kings, but people who, maybe your boss, or at the very least, even a colleague, a friend, your parent, people in the community, and you're saying, Lord, I need to bear, I'm bearing witness. I'm standing on the truth of your word, what's right and righteous, 
Lord, please don't put me to shame. That's another pressure that we feel, right? When we need to prove to someone that our decision not to sin and do what's righteous is the right decision. When we need to bear witness for Jesus before non-believing authorities. Now, going back to our GPS, we talked about the prayer. Now we're able to see the pressures, three of them, in this passage. Now, the psalmist navigates through the pressures by doing a very specific Christian practice. And this Christian practice is a mark. It is a brand. When people see you do it, they will conclude Christian to. This, this person, I think they read the Bible. He or she reads the Bible. So it is a mark. It is a brand. And it is how, again, the psalmist deals with the pressures. And we'll go back to verses 42 to 47. Verse 42. Then I shall have an answer, he says. An answer to him who taunts me. Verse 43. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth. I highlighted it. So meaning, to deal with the pressures, he needs to declare an answer. His word, God's word, needs to be out of the mouth. And the psalmist says, I need to speak of your testimony. In other words, this Christian practice, specific one, that the psalmist speaks of, is the declaration of the word of God. It is the proclamation of God's word. I'm feeling all these pressures and this is what I need to do to deal with it. I need to proclaim the word of God. Why? Because there's power in God's word. There's power in God's word. Do you know when everything was still in chaos? In this array, you will see that account. Everything here on earth, the whole universe, it was still chaotic. You will see that description in Genesis 1 verses 1 to 2. Things were not working the way it should be. And so God said, let there be light. God did not blink. God did not snap his finger for things to be created and put in order. But God spoke his word. Let there be light. Let there be a separation between the expanse of the sky and below. And so on and so forth. Why? When the word of God is proclaimed, there is power in it. In fact, there's life in it. Just like the creation account. And there's order. Your life might need order now. A portion of it. Is it a love life? Your career life? Your financial life? What part needs order? 
What part of that life needs life? Proclaim the word of God. There's power in it. But not just power. Faith arises when we proclaim the word of God. There's this true story in the Old Testament. You know this. Last year we preached on Isaiah and Isaiah we all know, speaks of the 70 years of captivity of God's people as a consequence of their sin. And then after that 70 years, they will go back to the promised land. And in that promised land, very similar to the P2P that we ride, there are batches. So I think after the second batch or the third batch of people from Babylon to the promised land, again, after the second or the third batch of P2P, they declared and proclaimed the word of God. And it's found in Nehemiah 8. There's this leader called Ezra. If you're named Ezra, that's a wonderful name. Ezra proclaimed the word of God. And this is what happened. We read, Ezra what? read in a loud voice from the what? The law. The book of the law early in the morning until noon, he was facing the open place that was in front of the water gate. Can you imagine? It's like this. <laughs> Going back, he read to all the men and women and to everyone old enough to listen and understand. All the people listened carefully and paid attention to the book of the law. And you know, if you read the rest of, the cha- of, of chapter 8 of Nehemiah, this is what happened. When God's word was declared, proclaimed by Ezra in a loud voice, they worshiped God, they confessed their sins, they repented of it, and they changed their ways. In other words, there was faith arising when the word of God was proclaimed. There's power in the proclamation of God's word. Another story, again in the Old Testament. There's, you know, there are many kings that you would see if you open your Bibles. First, second kings, first, second chronicles. Majority of the kings in the Old Testament, they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. But there were some who did right in the eyes of God. One of them was this youngest king, I think, ever, seven years old. His name is Joash. Joash. And this is how Joash was described in 2 Kings. Joash did what was right in the eyes of God all his days because Jehoiada, the priest, instructed him. Meaning there was someone proclaiming God's word to him through instruction. And because of that, again, he did what was right in the eyes of God. You know what? Unfortunately, when Jehoiada, Jehoiada the priest, died, the Bible records in Second Chronicles, verse 15 or 17, after the death of Jehoiada the priest, Verse 18, they abandoned 
the house of the Lord. And towards the end, it says that they began to worship idols. Why? Because no one was already proclaiming the word of God. Because in the proclamation of God's word, there's formation and transformation. That's why even at home, we declare the word of God when we pray. In the office, doesn't need to be ultra-religious, but it needs to be declared. Again, there's power in the proclamation of God's word. The proclamation, yes, it can happen in private. Last week's preaching was about that. There's a line there that I declare your word. And it's a private declaration when we read by ourselves the Bible. Proclamation can happen publicly, very similar to what's happening now. Proclamation, or, or in your small groups when you meet, whether on uh, digitally or face-to-face, and you're able to read God's Word and talk about it. But you know, it can also happen in an interpersonal way. What do I mean? Yesterday, I was just, after riding, I was biking together with Pastor Ian. Where's Pastor Ian? I was riding, and then we stopped at a coffee shop. At the back of the valley, there's a strip mall there. And by the way, let me just promote, there's a coffee shop there named Cafetalista. It's owned by one of our members. So we were having coffee in that area and we were having soda. Yeah, that's me and Pastor Ian. Coffee and soda. No? And then someone we knew, a friend, just greeted us. And the first thing that he says to me, Bro, when are you giving birth? In other words, mo, bro. When are you giving birth? So give me one month. No, I'll give birth after a month. But you know, it was a, just a friendly, casual conversation. But you know what? We, we, were, we did not mention exactly the verses in the Bible, but somehow we talked about faithfulness in His work. But we did not say, oh, in Psalm 85... Verses 11 to 12, it says, Faithfulness springs forth from the earth. Righteousness looks down from heaven. And the Lord will indeed give what is good. And the land will yield its harvest. We didn't say that. But we were talking about faithfulness. Interpersonal, casual, friendly conversation. Proclamation can also happen in practice. When we live our lives and people see it, It is a testimony, living our lives. So going back to our GPS, prayer, and then the prayer was because of certain pressures, and the way to navigate through it is through the Christian practice of the proclamation of God's Word. But the proclamation of God's Word is not a formula. It is anchored on a spiritual principle. It's not as if, you know, when we say, in Jesus' name, money come, when we withdraw later, you know, there would be additional two or three zeros there. It's not a formula. It's not as if when, when Pastor Carlo prays for you because for, for career advancement, it's not as if tomorrow when you go to the office, there's already an email saying that you already are occupying the 
COO, CEO position. It's not like a formula. But there is a spiritual principle to the proclamation of the Word of God. And it should be anchored on that principle. What's that principle? We read again the passage. It was carefully, delicately embedded in Psalm 119 verses 41 to 48. It says, Then I shall have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. Take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be put to shame, for I find delight in your commands, which I love. The spiritual principle, the psalmist mentioned it. For I trust in your word. My hope is in your rules. Your commandment, I delight in them. I love them. Well, you know what? Truth be told, gets naman natin na yun eh. Yeah, I trust in God's word. I hope in it. I love it. Okay yun, gets natin yun. But how do you really, truly, how can you really, truly say that you trust in God's word? How can we really, truly say that we hope in God's word? That we love it and delight in it. You know, the key can be found in verse 48. The psalmist ends that section with the key to that spiritual principle. And this is what he says in verse 48. I will lift up my hands towards your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. You know, this is fascinating because it gives us this language. I will lift up my hands towards your commandment. It is military in nature. What do I mean? In ancient societies, when people are at war, two nations, two camps, two tribes are at war. And when one is already, has already exhausted all their resources, manpower, logistics, equipment, weapons, everything, and they already give up, there's something that they will do. You know what? Ito, verse 48. They will lift up their hands. We give up. Too many people died. We give up. No more weapons. No more in our arsenal. In other words, it means surrender. Going back, when you lift up your hands, it means surrender. So when we trust in God's word, when we hope in it, when we say we love it, it means that we surrender to it regardless of what we feel and what we think. 
Lord, ang hirap naman ang pinagagawa mo eh. Pero, your word says it, I surrender to it. In fact, Jesus Himself gave us a very clear picture of this principle when He said, Lord, take this cup away from me, but not my will, but let your will be done. In other words, surrender. Surrender to the Word of God. And that anchors the proclamation that solidifies it, that establishes it. Let me end. We've been talking about the Old Testament. Let me end with a quick New Testament story. And it gives us the reason why we will continually proclaim it. Gives us that reason. And this is possibly, you know this, but it's so interesting if we get into the details of this story because it speaks of why we will continue to proclaim the Word of God. Jesus was with His disciples and there were crowds following Him. And there's this blind guy and you will find this in Mark 10. His name is Bartimaeus. So somehow, the, the, the blind guy most likely got wind that this rock star, Jesus Christ, was coming to town and lo and behold, he was somewhere around the area. And he was blind and this is what he did, highlighted. He shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And we're not sure if, 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 if Bartimaeus read the Old Testament or their Bible at that time. But we are certain that that is the Word of God. That Jesus is the Son of David. The King, Messiah that is to come. It was declared in the Old Testament. So many parts of it. And so Bartimaeus declares, proclaims the Word of God. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And people around him, the disciples, rebuked him. Quiet. Superstar Jesus is coming. Don't. You're not part of this. Hate. And you know what he did? He shouted all the more. Say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But come to think of it, it's the same prayer. Of the psalmist. Now, carefully, what did our Lord and Savior do? If we read verse 49, what did he do? First two words, I need you to read it. First two words, one, two, three, go. Jesus stopped, called him, asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And then he said, I want to see. Do you know that's also a word from Jesus Christ? He may not know it, but that's from Jesus himself. You know why? John the Baptist's disciples, 
when Jesus was already there and doing ministry, John the Baptist sent some of his disciples to Jesus to ask, are you the Messiah that is to come? So when people ask him that, Jesus' answer was, tell my friend, tell John, the lame walk, the blind see, came from Jesus' mouth. That was what the blind Bartimaeus mentioned as well. I want to see. The rest is history. He was healed. We know that. Going back, why will we proclaim the word of God continually? Here's the answer. Because Jesus stops and he pays attention to our prayer, to our proclamation. So never ever stop proclaiming. Why? Because Jesus stops and he pays attention. This has been the Victory Santa Rosa podcast. To see more church updates, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Victory Santa Rosa.